Blog Talk Radio. Do you make Christian music and you want to release it online without paying hefty yearly fees? Your best choice is GodTunesMusic.com. Sign up, upload your music, and reach the world. GodTunes distributes. Can you show me that song? No. Good morning. This is Pastor Angela Payton from Grace Through Faith Worship Center. Pastor Angela Payton from Grace Through Faith Worship Center. Well, praise the Lord. Um, We are on our last session on Friday. Tomorrow um, I will be having intercessory prayer. Tomorrow I will be having intercessory prayer at 8 a.m., Okay, we won't be at 6.30, but we'll be at 8 a.m., and I will be sending out a, uh informational uh, sesh, uh, constant contact uh, information about our 8 a.m. Uh, uh, intercessory prayer. So today we are going to con- complete our series on uh, going through the first few chapters of the book of John, but I would encourage you to read the book of John. Read the book of John over and over and over again. Uh, It's just going to bless your soul, and what I would also suggest is to go back uh, and and listen to the blog talk radio sessions that we've had this week. It will tremendously be a blessing to you and your household. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go on um, and we're just going to say a word of prayer and then we're going to get right into the studies. Father, we thank you today. Lord God, we lift you up today. We worship you. We exalt you, O Lord. And all our dealings today, we want to acknowledge you. It says in Scripture, acknowledge you in all our ways and you will direct our path. Acknowledge you in all our ways and you will direct our path. Lord, we thank you also that your word says that we are to be obedient to you. We're to listen to your voice and then obey the instructions of the Lord. And your instructions are in your word. Your instructions for life and how we do life here, O oh God, and how we become victorious, O oh Lord, and how we walk out this kingdom life here on earth is due in large part with how much word we know and have begin to walk out in our lives. Maturity comes when we do, in fact, know you, and we know you through your word. And see, your word is a mirror unto us, O Lord. It reflects who we are, and it reflects who you are, O Lord, and without the mirror of your word, O God, we're lost. We're lost. We're not equipped. We're not fully equipped to do the work of the ministry and to do life, O God. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father, for that. We thank you, O God, for your word. Today we're going to go through um, chapter... Um, I think we went through chapter 6. Let me just see here. Um, No, we didn't. There's some key scriptures that I want to go over in chapter 6, and then we're going to go finish up chapter uh, 7, because we went through uh, the miracle of Jesus walking on the water, 
And then um, through the latter part of Chapter 6, I believe, uh, it talks about um, Jesus bringing the bread of life. Um, Let me go through verse 838, and it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Uh, 38, that was 35 actually. 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. And that should be our motto. That should be our heart's cry once we get saved again, once we find Jesus again, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That should be our prayer. That should be our prayer. And it says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. For my Father's will, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son. See, he gives specific instructions as to who, what, where, when, and how. It's the Father's will. It's his good pleasure to see you look towards the Son and to believe in him. They what? Shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. It goes on in verse 48. It says, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He was willing to give his life. The son was. The son was. He says, but here is the bread that comes down from heaven. He said, here am I. Here am I, which a man may eat and never die. And I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone, he says where he came from, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Then Jesus goes on in 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. That's key. You have no what? Spiritual life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Eternal life. And I will, he says it again. He repeats himself. 
verse 53 and then verses 40 is saying the same thing. He's saying, I will raise him up at the last day. He's saying, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I will resurrect you in the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. We remain in Christ Jesus. And he is in us. And just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. And I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. You know, the Lord is saying to me and in this scripture is that, you know, God can do signs and wonders, but we can't live off of a sign. We can't live off of a wonder. And he uh, miraculously fed the children uh, uh, in Israel with manna. It came down from heaven. But he's saying here is that he is the true bread of life. Your, the signs and the miracles are pointing to the life of Jesus Christ. And as we partake of him and his life, we will live forever. We will live forever. We will have eternal life. This whole discourse in the latter part of 6 is telling us that he is the bread of life, that he is the one who will give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And when we look at the um, when I think about the miracle of the five loaves and fishes of bread, I I look at the fact that it also talks about eternal uh, uh, in uh, essence of eternity because it never ran out. It never that bread and that those fishes it just it just kept multiplying as long as you needed it it was available. Amen. Okay, I think we're going to go on to uh, chapter 7, even though there was a lot of conversation about what Jesus had said. I will, I'll leave that for you to go back and read on your own, the rest of chapter 6. The rest of chapter 6. So let's go on to chapter 7. It says, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. He already knew what they were thinking. He already knew by word of knowledge what was being said. And so he knew how to what? Purposely stay away from Judea. God was instructing him on when to do, what to do, and how to do. And God will do the same with us. Amen. But when the Jewish feast of tabernacle was near, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Well, that's interesting. Maybe that's a word for me. <laughs> no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Can you imagine... Here he is, and his own brothers did not believe him, and they were still wanting to be convinced by him doing what? More signs and wonders and miracles. 
and also pushing him out to be a what? A public figure. And that's interesting. That 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 there's a lot to be said right there. Therefore Jesus told them the right time. See, there's a time and season for everything to come to fruition for God's intended purposes. You know, man has a purpose for whatever he may be calling us to uh uh calling you to, but God has a purpose and it has an intended time. He says the right time for me has not yet come. The right time for him to die, the right time for the for for the enemy and all the things that were going to occur uh to to for for Jesus to die on the cross had not yet come for you any time is right he's saying for for telling the disciples any time is right for you, but he knew the appointed time for him to die he knew that he was not supposed to try to make things happen. And so he was telling them that he has an appointed time. And the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it, do, what it does is evil. You know, people are not going to like you when you call them on the carpet. They're not going to like you when you tell them the truth. But we must tell people the truth in order for what? In order for people to be set free. Amen. You go to the feast, I'm not yet going up to the feast. So Jesus made it clear that it was not his time, that he was not going to the feast, that any time is right for them, meaning that they were not the ones. Jesus was the one who was going to die for the sins of the world, and it was a specific time and a sequence of events that had to occur in order. Jesus shows throughout these first five chapters order. Even though he is God, he is using order and time correctly, and he's showing us that we need to do the same thing. He says, having said this, he stayed in Galilee. You know, you need to understand that sometimes your friends or your colleagues or whomever you're going with will try to get you and step you out of the will and plan and timing of God. But here God is saying, look, you go ahead. I'm staying here. It is not yet not my time. You need to know who you are in Jesus, what he has called you to do, and you need to know your timing. And not allow your friends or your colleagues or your family members step you out of time with God. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also not publicly. He went also not publicly, but in secret. Well, I think that one's for me today. I'm going to receive that one. Now, at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is the man? See, he was already, they were already wanting to hunt Jesus down. They were hunting him. They were looking for him. They had seen him. They had seen the miracles. They didn't know quite what to do. It says here that disciples were still not believing. They weren't still believing. See, they thought that Jesus had come to overtake the world and to pull them out of an oppressive state, but Jesus came to save the world, the sin, and the people in it. And he was doing it 
on God's timing, not the timing of man. And it says, among the crowds there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything public about him for fear of the Jews. Now until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and began to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? Now, I found that interesting. So I guess they said that he was studying somewhere, but I guess he wasn't studying with them. And so they obviously also they knew who were the principal teachers of that day, and they just did not know where he had come from. I would say, you know, that was miraculous. That was also a miracle. And so Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does not does so to gain honor for himself. He who who he who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself, but he who works for me he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. Is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? And Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, through actually he did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me? for healing the whole man on Sabbath, on the Sabbath. Stop judging by mere appearance and make a right judge. And at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly. They called Jesus out. And they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from, which, when the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. He's having a conversation about God himself sending him the Son, the Father, and how he doesn't do anything that the Lord doesn't tell him to do. 
<clears throat> and that the words he's saying is sent from God and that it's audible unto God himself. And uh, Jesus goes on and he just goes on and he talks about more a discussion of of um, of his uh, position and also that he is here. And so go on to verse 30. It says, at this they tried to seize him. They got real angry with Jesus. But no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. And they said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? So there was a lot of confusion with the Jews and the Pharisees. They didn't know whether this was Christ or not. A few in the crowd put their faith in him and believed. And then some, in fact, wanted to kill him and lay their hands on him. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I will go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered around? It? They, they were just totally clueless as to what Jesus was saying. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot go. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Again, Jesus is um, talking about uh, uh, his death and resurrection and the fact that he is eternal life and that you, those who would believe on him shall live. And so um, it goes on. Um, let me go through a little bit of, of finishing up with um, uh, chapter 7. It says, Others said he is the Christ. And so it's just this discourse back and forth. Still others ask, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that Christ will come from David's line? And so they're trying to justify or find some fault in him, and there's a lot of confusion. It says, Thus the people were divided. Because of Jesus, some wanted to seize him, but no one laid their hands on him. And finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. See, they even began, the ones who were supposed to seize him and arrest him at that point couldn't do it. They began uh, mesmerized at what Jesus was doing, his miracles, his signs, his wonders, his teachings. It pricked their hearts. You mean he has deceived you also? Wow. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who has done, who has gone to Jesus earlier, and who was who was one of their own number, asks, "Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing?" They replied, "Are you from Galilee too?" 
Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then each went to his own home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. We're on chapter 8. At dawn he appeared again in the temple court, where all the people gathered around. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you, without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. And when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. And so, again, we can see the beginning of climax of Jesus being um, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees challenging Jesus, challenging his identity and, you know, in this world, we are going to be challenged, and people don't believe that we're the sons and daughters of God, and people don't believe that we can do the mighty works that Jesus did. But we are not here to condemn the world, but we're here to save the world. We're here to be partners with Jesus Christ and to save those who were lost and save those who are lost. And so we need to understand that it says, truth is first all, I'm just reading the commentary part of this particular Bible, it says, truth is first of all a quality that belongs to God, to Christ and to the Spirit. God wants truth developed in us, and we must seek it, speak it, walk it, live by it, and worship in it. Only then will we be truly free. Truth also defines the Christian revelation. God's word is truth. So is the testimony of Jesus and the gospel proclaimed 
by the apostles. Those who believe have come to a knowledge of the truth and belong to the church. The pillar and foundation of truth. I'm going to just stop right here where the church is the pillar of foundation of truth. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't need to go to church and, you know, get there when I can. But it's the light in a dark world. The churches, those who are following Jesus Christ, they stand for the truth and the foundation of God's word. The word of God as truth uncovers the realities of the situation in which humanity finds itself, finds itself apart from God, and points the way out through the one who said he was, the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible urges us to let Jesus' words guide us to the truth that sets us free and warns us to let nothing tear us away from the truth. Amen. So we need to understand that the truth of God's word and the church and its position in this day is to propel us to the truth. It's to propel us to the truth and point us to Jesus Christ who is the who is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. I'm going to read a little bit more commentary. It says, Jesus came to this earth to do the will of his Father. We need to recognize that our time here on earth is to do the will of our Heavenly Father. And the Father gave him power. He gave him authority. Authority to judge and to grant eternal life. Jesus even had power over his own life to give it up and to take it away. His miracle shows that he was God's son. And as we as we as Christians, as we exercise the giftings that's on the inside of us, we show we are witnesses that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We witness that we are true sons and daughters of the Most High. Amen. And, and, and when we show signs and wonders, when we execute miracles, we show that we are God's son and, and daughters in, in Jesus Christ. It says, it goes on, it says, he could not be crucified until the proper time. And when his hour came, he displayed a majestic authority in the presence of those who arrested him, and in Pilate's presence as well. Furthermore, Jesus is greater than all the other authorities cherished by, Jew by Jews, that is Abraham and Jacob and Moses, the temple, any king or prophet, and even John the Baptist. John challenges us to place ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Amen.
Jesus received authority. Jesus exercised his authority while on earth. And Jesus does God's will. And I would want to leave you today with those thoughts. We need to know and do the will of our Father. We need to be about our Father's business. We need to receive the authority Jesus has given us. We need to receive it. He has given us all authority here on earth. And we need to begin to what? Activate that authority and exercise that authority that we have in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need to exercise the authority that we have. We can speak things into existence. We can change the course of history. Jesus is a creative God. He creates things, all things at the beginning. When we went through chapter um, chapter 1, displayed and told us that Jesus was at the beginning, creating all things by his hand. He is, in fact, God. And he's given us that authority. He's given us that right. He's given us that authority to change the course of history. See, what we have come to realize, we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. We don't know the authority. We don't know our identity. And so many people walk around and say there's some, there, there's some, they're a sinner saved by grace. Well, what I'm telling you is you're a son and daughter of God. When you came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are now sons and daughters of Christ. You are eternal beings, never to be separated from the Lord. Amen. Jesus performed miracles to show compassion and to rescue people from their physical and emotional and spiritual forces that bind them up, that had them bound. And he did that to prove he was God and the Messiah and to demonstrate the presence of the kingdom of God, the dominion of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God looks like. The central miracle in all of Scripture is Jesus resurrected from the dead. A miracle that is at the center of Christian faith. God gave the great gift of miracles to the church. Some believe this gift ceased after the New Testament. Christians need also to be aware of the counterfeit miracles, those works performed by Satan and his agents to deceive us. But God gave the gift of miracles to the church, and we need to understand that. We need to exercise the gifts that God has given us. Amen. So I'm going to close today. I just felt led to close. We're just going to pray. And we're just going to bless your day. I don't know how much time I have left. Ten? Nine. Nine. Okay. But I'm going to close out for the day. And those who had an opportunity to... uh, to uh, listen to me all week long. I just encourage you. You know, sometimes we get so busy 
um, in life and busy doing life, that we don't settle down and just listen to what the word of the Lord has. There's so many things, so many nuggets of truth, so so much depth has happened over these last uh, just few few days, and uh, it, it's just it just shows you how much we're missing out when we don't just read the Bible ourselves. There's so much that can be. Um, you know, it's just so much to the Word of God, so much to the Word of God. I, I understand I have 10 minutes, so I'm going to go back to chapter 9 where it talks about Jesus heals a man born blind. Uh, and we're going to read, and we're just going to delve to it. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, they had a rationale that, you know, sin... Sin in some cases have something to do with uh, people's ailments, but in this particular case, the Lord said neither. This man nor his parents sin, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as he is day, we must do the work of him who sent us. As long as it is day, as long as we have time to do miracles and signs and wonders, as long as on our watch we're listening to the word of God, we're waiting to hear from God, and we're doing what God has called us to do, night is coming, judgment day is coming, which no one can work. Time is up. But we're under grace. We're under a time where right now we can hear God, we can believe God, and God is saying, this is the time to be busy. This is the time to be working. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home sin. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. Wow, we can explain away a miracle. We can explain away miracles that Jesus did. It also talks about just how um, hard-hearted we can be when it comes to to the things of God. We want to explain away. We want to um, not believe it was God. Others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus, hallelujah, made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the first seeds said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. 
But others ask, how can a sinner do such a miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Again, just hardness of heart. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you said you said you said was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For although the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue, that was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they say. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know this thing. I know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. Lord, we just lift you up today. We thank you for your word. Lord God, in the spiritual We were once blind, but now we can see you. We can see this world for what it is. We can see eternal life. We know, God, the truth of your word. We were blinded, but now we can see. You know, we came into this world in the dark places, O Lord. We didn't know you, but now, O God, we have received you as our Lord Jesus Christ, We have received you as Savior. You came into this world, O God, and the world didn't know you. But you have touched our eyes, O Lord. You've touched our hearts. You've touched our minds, O Lord. And now we can see you. We can see you, O God. And we thank you, Father, for that. We thank you, Lord God. And, Lord, there will be many that will travel these paths that will deny you, deny that you're Jesus. Deny that you're still doing signs and wonders. Deny, O God, that you're God himself, O Lord, wrapped up in flesh that came to save humanity. But, Lord, we believe you. We believe your word, O God. We believe that you came and you died. We believe that you're the resurrection and the life. We believe that one day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and that we'll be with you. We'll be with you, O God. We won't be separated from you. And through your love, O Lord, for humanity, through your love for each and every one of us, you said that I wish that no man would perish. We thank you, Lord, today. We bless you and we honor you this day. We just worship you, O God, for your truth, for your truth, O Lord. We honor you. Well, I bless you. I pray that you will 
Join us tomorrow at 8 o'clock at Intercessory Prayer. We're going to uh, just pray and just believe God for all the things that he has put before us. And go out and go out and believe God. Bless someone today. Be a blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. Go out and do the signs and wonders. Go out and do the miraculous. Believe God for all that he dreamed with God. Partner with him. Your life will never be the same. It will be exciting each and every day an adventure to see Jesus Christ move on behalf of his people and see the lost come to the Lord in a mighty way. Amen. And this is Grace Through Faith Worship Center closing out on our series this week, The Message and Ministry of Jesus Christ. It's been an awesome journey. I, I, it's been an awesome journey, and we just bless you. Amen.